Are there any good-looking podcast listeners out there tonight? Soccer dude, rockin' America. America. He doesn't know soccer, but he's gonna talk about soccer dude, America. America. Technical analysis. Transfer news. Unlikely. Hey, that's not what I wrote. I don't really care. We're going with it now. All right. Soccer <laughs> new back in America. America. Soccer new. Featuring person Talking about soccer lots. Hello and welcome to episode 70 of Soccer Noob Rocket America. I am Noob. Joining me as always is my co-host, nine-year-old daughter, Person Noob. Hello! And on Twitter this week, we have been saying that uh, Dan, the Interno Inferno, would be co-hosting. But we hadn't thought it all the way through. He's on fire, according to his name. And that can cause uh, issues within an enclosed studio. But we may get a surprise visit from him before all is said and done. We shall see. Meantime, let's get into the 10 best matches. We're going to mini preview them. and We're going to go any and everywhere in the world. Countries big and small, leagues big and small, tournament matches. It's going to be a blast. Let's drive right in with... Match number one! We start with a slew of Friday matches, sort of a rarity for this particular show, but a lot of goodies. England, the FAWSL, that is the top flight for the women over in England. Their league is ranked number three in all of Europe, just ahead of Spain in the coefficients. The top two teams will make the Champions League second round, which is as far up as you can start. And then their third place team will also get to go. They will have to start in the first round. And they're just over halfway through the season there. Your matchup, number B, Chelsea, taking on number one, Arsenal. As things stand at the time of game scouting, Arsenal lead in the table by two over Chelsea. Chelsea, in turn, lead Man United by three. Earlier this season when Arsenal hosted, it was a shootout, and Arsenal came out on top 3-2. Time to see if Chelsea, the ladies of blue, can get their revenge. Uh, history would say yes, they've got a 6-2-2 and record in recent years. We'll talk about the host team first, as always, Chelsea. They've got four league titles to their credit, and they are the two-time defending champions. Uh, They also finished runner-up in last year's Champions League. So close, looking to best that this year, of course. Uh, For the 2021-2022 Champions League, they didn't really get a chance to go as far. They finished number three in the group stage, which means they didn't advance. And boy, it was tight and then some. There was actually a three-way tie at 11 points in that 14 table, and they lost out on the tiebreaker of head-to-head goal differential with the other two teams there. This year in league play, they've got the second best offense at two and a half goals per match. Average defense, exactly a goal every other match is what they allow, and that's good for just the second best goal differential. Key players to look for, number one league scorer of international fame, Sam Kerr from Australia, plays forward with him. Everybody pretty much knows her. Most recently, she was with Chicago here on the state side. Uh, That was in 2020. Tied for number one in assists, their forward, Fran Kirby. She's been with this club since 2015. And in terms of clean sheets, they've got the number one goalkeeper, Anne-Katrine Berger from Germany. 
But now those three, I've mentioned them before, and they get a lot of play everywhere. But a gal I wasn't as familiar with, but upon further review, I think that their most valuable player might be Erin Cuthbert. She is quick. 23 years old, Scottish right midfielder, uh, has two goals and three assists on the season. Uh, she's really accurate with her crossing, setting up her teammates with those key passes. And then she gets a lot of interceptions as well, which makes me believe that unless she's really going box to box, that she is not only fast, but she is beyond quick. As far as the team's current form, they have won four straight and they are unbeaten in their last six with a 13 and four goal differential over that stretch. And now coming to town, Arsenal, they are the number 11 rated club in all of Europe. 15 league titles here, historical behemoth. Most recent one was in 2018-2019. Internationally, uh, they have won the Champions League before. That was back in 06-07. This year, Champions League going on, they are about to play Wolfsburg of Germany in the quarterfinals. That'll happen in late March for the knockout round there. Last year, they finished just third in the league. This year, stats are really backing them up. Number one offense, second best defense, number one goal differential. Key players, second best leading scorer in the league, Viviane Midema. hope I'm getting her name right. Uh, She's a Dutch forward, 25 years old. She's got over 100 national team caps uh, for Holland since 2013. And she is the all-time goals leader, actually, for this team at 85, the national team that is. She co-authored, by the way, kind of a fun side note, a comic book that features herself. Well, when you're that talented, I suppose, why not? Quite the collector's item, I'm sure. Uh, They've got a couple gals setting her up. Kate McCabe and Beth Mead are tied for number three in the league on assists. They've got uh, a gal who is in the top four in goalkeeping, Manuela Zinsberger out of Austria. And finally, for players, we have a USA connection. Tobin Heath has made the move abroad. She was with Portland from 2013 to 2020 over in England now with uh, getting fairly close to 200 women's national team caps for the U.S., as far as this team's current form, they are fine as well. 2-2-0 two, two with a 5-3 and three goal differential. Match number B. We won't travel too far from match number B. And remember, number B is the way to go. Number two, bathroom talk. Yuck, we do it right here, don't we, person noob? To Northern Ireland we go. The premiership there, the top flight, is only ranked number 42 of all the leagues in Europe. So, you know, down there in the uh, the bottom quintile, if you will, not even a fully professionally, but we go where the drama is. And there is some because the winners do still get to go to the Champions League and they do get to Europa Conference League berths. It's another number B versus number one, number B, Glentorin versus number one, Linfield. And this is known as the Big Two Derby over there. Now, Interesting about these, these these are both Union-slash-Protestant-supported teams historically, which is uh, sort of a little bit different from like uh, Celtic Rangers that we talked about last week, where you have a definitively uh, Catholic-supported team and a Protestant-supported one in Rangers. Glentoran, however, made the move to start mixing more in terms of both players on the field and then subsequently... Uh, getting Catholic supporters. And so uh, they are more of a mixed bag now in that regard, whereas Linfield has remained very much a Protestant-supported team. These two are tied in the table now, and they both lead Cliftonville by two. Uh, Linfield has had the best of it this season when they hosted. It was a 1-1 draw, and then when they went on the road, the first time they won nil 3 The overall series is theirs as well in recent years, as Linfield have a 16 Eight and six record. Glentoran looking to make a dent in that. They are the number, I believe, uh, 
144th ranked UEFA club. Take that with a grain of salt. I've got a little typo in my notes here. Wherever it is they are, I know that it puts them between uh, their uh, fellow countryman, uh, Bali Mena, and uh, one of the fairly good clubs from over in San Marino, the microstate over uh, enclaved in Italy, Trey Penne. Uh, they play in Belfast, as do a lot of the teams in this league. They have 26 league titles under their belt, but they haven't won one in a while, 2008, 2009, the last time. This year, they did get to play internationally. They lost in the Europa Conference League first round to their neighbors over in Wales, the New Saints, the top team over there. Best they've ever done in the Europa League or the Champions League, to be honest, is the second qualifying round. When you're non-professional players, it's just really hard to you know, make a serious journey through those tournaments. This year in league play, they've got the number one offense going at almost three. Very impressive. Uh, the number five defense, but they only average giving up exactly one goal per game. So other than them, this maybe isn't the highest scoring league in the world. That's good for second best goal differential overall. Key player to look for, they've got number one league score in Jay Donnelly, homegrown. Team's current form, they just had a draw at number eight, Glenavon, and that broke a four-match win streak for them. And now Linfield, another one of your Belfast clubs. They are tied at number 163 in the UEFA rankings for clubs. That puts them uh, right next to several teams like uh, Shamrock Rovers over in Ireland, one of the better Irish teams. Uh, They are the four-time defending champions and have 55 league titles. So they are your historical best, I believe, in the country and certainly the current reigning power, clearly. Uh, 2021-22, they lost in the first round of the Champions League. Then they went down to the third qualifying round of the ECL and uh, lost to Fola Esch out of Luxembourg. So the little country's doing battle and this one not coming out on top. Uh, Best they've ever done uh, in 2019-2020, they made the Europa League playoff round. That's one round shy of the group stage. So they've never been to an event proper for any of those international tournaments this year in league play. They've got a top three offense and a top two defense. They give up well under one goal per match, of course, then. And it's good for the number one overall goal differential and defense travels. This is my uh, pick to get a result and perhaps, of course, even win the game. Key player to look for, number B league score is Christy Manzinga. Uh, she is French-born, reps for the Democratic Republic of Congo, Congo rather, and plays striker for them. Uh, she came over from Motherwell in Scotland a couple years ago. Team's current form, they are 1-1-1 one, one, and one in their last three. Match number three. This time we will earn some frequent flyer miles and head to Africa where they're having their Champions League. The group stage is just starting. There are four groups of four that are going to play a double round robin home and away. The top two from each group will advance. Your matchup is one I just love, one of my favorite teams, because it's the only team I know of in the world that's named for a singer. Wydad Casablanca out of Morocco, and they are taking on Sagrada Esperanza. We'll talk about Wydad first. They are known as the Red Castle or the Red Devils, and they play out of the number one league in Africa. Two Champions League titles to their credit, and they won one of them pretty recently, 2017. Last year, they made the semifinals. This year, there are two qualifying rounds that some teams have to play through, but some of the best teams get a bye into the second one. That was the case with Dad. They started in the second qualifying round and beat a very good team out of Ghana, Hearts of Oak. 
and beat them soundly seven to one on aggregate between the two matches. Uh, this year in the league, they haven't slipped at all. Number one offense, uh, top three defense in their league. They give up less than one per match, and that's good for the overall number one goal differential there. So these are your heavy favorites. Tied for number one in league scoring, Guy Mbenza out of the Republic of Congo, forward, just 21 years old. What is a guy so talented still uh, doing anywhere else other than Europe. Well, it won't be long. He's actually on loan from a pretty decent club over in Belgium, Royal Antwerp. They've also got the number one goalkeeper in the league in Ahmed Reda Teganaudi, whose name I am sure I am getting completely wrong, <laughs> but you can check it out if you want yourself. As far as the team's current form, they've been a little bit lax of late, one, one, and two in their last four. And now Adam Vangola, saying, uh, Sagrada Esperanza. This is a very artsy match because while uh, that uh, why dad is named after an Egyptian singer uh, from decades back. This one is named, they believe, after a poem by the first president of the country back about, oh, 40, 45 years ago, Augustino Nato, his famous poem called Sagrada Esperanza, which translates to Sacred Hope. They play out of the city of Dundo, which is in the far northwest of the country, and it's a former planned town. It was specifically built around the sole industry of diamond mining. Uh, it's got about 200,000 people still, but it's going to be superseded if it hasn't been already by New Dundo, a uh, city that they're building basically right next door, literally and figuratively. Uh, this is the number seven ranked club in all of Africa, and that's up three from a year ago. Uh, the only other league title that they've won is 2005. Now, this team had to play in the first qualifying round. They got through that, and then the second round, they had a little bit of an easier opponent, in my opinion. They had to beat Royal Leopards of Eswatini, Eswatini. I'm not sure. It used to be Swaziland. I'm pretty sure of that. In any case, uh, they are uh, they won that 3-2 to two on aggregate. This is your team that is the bottom seeded one in this group of four. So uh, going on the road, they are heavy, heavy underdogs. In their league season, 2021-2022, they are in second place currently, top three offense, top two defense. And uh, they almost give up only a goal every other match on average. So I'm not looking for a shootout out of this one, but still a lot of drama. And they are in fine form with a 2-1-0 record in their last three. Match number four. Fourth and final Friday match takes us off to the Super League in India. Together with the code number one flight, I-League, they constitute uh, the number 17 ranked uh, league leagues in the AFC. It's a strange situation over there. I've heard rumors that within a few years they might merge these into one league. In any case, the Super League is about three quarters of the way through the season. Uh, This league, both Both leagues actually get to send teams in international play. This league sends their champion uh, to the Champions League group stage, and then they will send another team to the AFC Cup, that's the Asian Secondary Tournament, playoff round. Of the two, this is the more franchise-based league, by the way. They don't have any relegation promotion uh, the way the other one does, for example, and it's a fairly new league. Your matchup, number three, Bengaluru versus number one, Hyderabad. Now, why are we covering a one versus three when we usually do one versus number Bs? We'll get this. Number one, Hyderabad, lead number seven out of the 11 teams in this league, Odish, by just five points. This is the race of the world, as far as I'm concerned. I've never seen so many teams so close this late in the season. 
Taking a closer look at the table, Hyderabad, uh, they lead Kerala Blasters and their opponent today, Bangalore, by three in the table. And uh, it's really going to be critical for one of these two teams to get three points if they can because the teams around them in the table have a match or two in hand against them. So they're going to be doing some catching up. The recent series between these two has been perfectly even. They've got a one and three one three and one record against one another. This season, when they played at Hyderabad, it was the host that came out with a 1-0 win. Looking to get their revenge, let's talk about Bengaluru. They play out of a city of the same name. It is the capital of Kamataka in the southwest part of the country. Big city, 8 million people in the city proper, about 1,100, uh, or not 1,100, 11 million in the greater metro, 1,100 million. Uh, that would really be something. Uh, that makes them, uh, they're about the fourth biggest overall uh, city and metro area in the country. And they are known as the Silicon Valley of India. So now you know a little bit about their industry. This is a league that, or not a league, this is a team that ranks just inside the top 100 clubs in Asia. But we'll see if they can climb. They've got a nice partnership going with us uh, since 2019. I assume it's player development related uh, with Rangers. One of the big two, of course, over in Scotland. The club was founded in 2013. They played their first four years in the other league, the I League, and they won that two different times in the mid-2010s. And then they won this league in 2018-2019. They have made two Champions League appearances, but never gotten past the first preliminary round. Last year, they were just in seventh place. This year, looking far better uh, top three offense, scoring over two and a half goals per match. A little bit better than average defense. That might be their downfall, the fact that they're not a little stronger on that. Number three overall goal differential is all. Key players to look for. Tie for number three in league scoring is a uh, Brazilian veteran, 35 years old. He's their forward, or one of them rather, uh, Clayton Silva. He has spent nearly his entire career with teams over in Thailand, really only came over to India more recently. And then tied for number one in assists in the league is homegrown Naorim Roshan Singh. He is a fullback, real box-to-box guy, and young, 23 years old. It'll be interesting to see if, uh, if not necessarily Europe, if he's not able to make a climb into one of the better AFC leagues, at least. As far as the team's current form, wow, have these guys turned it around. Number seven last year, and then they started kind of the same way this year. Only one win in their first eight matches, although a few draws. But now they are unbeaten in their last nine, and they have won three straight matches. The big improvement has been on defense. And now Hyderabad, they were founded just in 2019 and already have a grassroots development partnership in place with Dortmund over in the Bundesliga, Germany. Uh, the city of the same name they play out is the capital of the Telangana state, which is in the south centralish part of the country, kind of provincial and yet not the city. I, I'm referring to the state there because the city has a, uh, about 10 million in the major metro area. Uh, this area used to be exclusively almost most famous for the Golconda diamonds that it produced, uh, but now it's at least just as much a pharmaceutical and biotech hub of a city. Last year, they finished in fifth place in the league. This year, these are my favorites to win it. Uh, they've got a uh, the number one offense getting over two goals per match, a top three defense only giving up one, but their goal, overall goal differential, as tight as things are in points, their goal differential is twice as good as anybody else's in the entire league. Tied for number one in league scoring, Bartholomew 
Ogbechi from Nigeria, striker, very long in the soccer tooth at 37 years old, and he's had quite the career. He came up with PSG, actually, and did spend a little bit of senior time with them, but he's been uh, all over uh, Western Europe, Middlesbrough, uh, Valladolid, and Cadiz over in what might have been the second division in Spain when he was with them, Uh, Cambur over in the Netherlands, but then he's been playing for various Indian clubs since 2018. Team's current form, they just lost in their last match at home to number four, Moen Bagan, and that broke a three-match win streak in which they had been scoring like gangbusters. They'd had 12 goals in those three matches. Match number five. Our first match on Saturday takes us to one with a great, big, shiny trophy, and we're like squirrels. We like those. We almost named the show Soccer Squirrel, to be perfectly honest. It is the FIFA Club World Cup Final, so all the champions of the various federations and a couple other teams have been playing this, or one other team. But in any case, your two finalists certainly were continental champions. Chelsea taking on Palmeiras out of Brazil, the Brazilian and uh, Copa Libertadores champion from last year. You can actually catch this one uh, USA side on TV If your cable package runs deep enough, it's going to be on Fox Sports 2 and Fox Sports Deportes at 11.30 a.m. Eastern Time. We'll talk a little bit about each Chelsea. You probably know them well. They are considered the number four ranked team in UEFA right now. In 2012, they actually made the final of this event as well, but they lost to Corinthians. And that's a really big deal for the South American team. The South Americans, they tend to take this tournament very, very seriously. They're considered the second best confederation, albeit kind of a distant second, to be perfectly honest, compared to Europe. So the European teams do do tend to start pretty close to their usual starting teams, but are are just not known reputationally to take this quite as seriously. And 2012 was the last time, in fact, that a European team was not the champion. In league play, this year they are in third place. Uh, Number three offense in the league, managing exactly two per match, a top three defense as well. Number three overall goal differential, top 10 assists, In the league, Mason Mount, one of their main guys, attacking midfielder, just 23 years old. He didn't play in the semifinal. Be curious to see if uh, they're using some of these guys to play in one and not the other. So they're resting up for Champions League and Premier League matches. The best player I think they have going is Mateo Kovacic. He's a Croatian central midfielder for them. Excellent dribbler and passer. Uh, Doesn't do as much on the intercepting end defensively. Doesn't track back quite as well, but he does like to tackle pretty good. He is good at that, just does it high up in the midfield. Now, he did play in the event semifinal, and he had a very strong game. So, again, it would be interesting to see if they play him or rest him for the second one. Romelu Lukaku, he got the goal in the semifinal win that they got over Saudi Arabia's Al-Hilal. And uh, another key player to look for, I believe, is going to be uh, Hakeem Ziyech. He was the man of the match. He had several key passes and was just outstanding. Outstanding outstanding on his dribbling team's current form. They are three, one, and zero in their last four across all competitions, but in league play the last couple three weeks, they've really been sort of mediocre by premier league standards. And now we'll talk about the challengers, Paul Myrus. Uh, they finished number four in this event last year, their semifinal, they got to play all Ailey out of Egypt, the 
Champions Leaguers from there. Champions Leaguers. Yes, I can say that all at once. Uh, they uh, played uh, some very interesting tactics. They played so something like 80 long balls over the course of the game, and that is a ton. They didn't bother to even try to have more than 50% of the possession, and they fouled like crazy, and Chelsea does not want to see that. It, uh, Paul Myers are going to make this an incredibly physical game and see if Chelsea will rise up to the task or, or back off a little bit since maybe they won't be taking this quite as seriously as their competitors today. Uh, right now, they're playing in the Paulista or the state their state league over there, which is a, a very small sort of preseason tournament. Competition's pretty weak in that, uh, to be perfectly honest, other than them. And they have a 7-1 goal differential. Uh, last year, they were a little bit more offensively than defensively oriented, and they finished at number three in Brazil's Serie A. Best player they have going is their homegrown striker, Roni. He's got a goal and two assists already early in the state league. And his impressive passing volume, uh, he's been, just had a tremendous success rate when it comes to that. So he could be key to this one. And I assure you, he will be playing. Tens so darn demanding. They want a recap of last week's matches. Shall we give it to them? Why not? Last Saturday, match number one from the 2021 FIFA Club World Cup. They were playing the second round. We talked about Al-Ali versus Monterey, and it was Al-Ali coming out on top 1-0. Not that they made the final, as we shall discover a little bit later on this show. Match number B from Italy, Serie A. Number one, Inter Milan taking on number three, AC Milan. Big derby action. It was AC Milan keeping their title hopes alive with a 1-2 win. Match number three was the final from Australia's FFA Cup, or their FA Cup, I think, as they're going to start calling it next year. And this is actually the final, technically, from their 2021 tournament. It was Melbourne victory versus Central Coast Mariners, and it was victory coming out on top 2-1. Sunday, from match number four from the Bundesliga, number B, Dortmund, took on number three, Leverkusen, and Leverkusen absolutely decimated them. This was never close. Five to two to five was the score. Although there was enough difference in the table that neither of them switched positions in the standings. Match number five was for the AFCON final. We did not know the finalists at the time when we recorded, so we didn't do a match mini preview, but congratulations to Senegal on their title. Match number six from England's FA Cup, the fourth round proper. We are always minnow hunting. We looked at uh, Team Noob's favorite AFC Bournemouth fighting cherries from the championship division, taking on lowly number five, Boreham Wood. And it's hard to be mad. You love to watch the little guys win. But it was Boramwood coming out on top. Uh, nil one. Congratulations to them, but boo at the same time. Match number seven from Women's uh, Asian Cup playoff action. We looked at uh, Vietnam versus Chinese Taipei or Taiwan, if you prefer. Vietnam came out on top two to one. So they win the group and will advance straight to the World Cup. Uh, Chinese Taipei and Thailand, the other two teams that are in this mini group, will still have a chance to make the Women's World Cup. Uh, they'll have to do it through inter-confederation playoffs. Match number eight from Luxembourg's top flight. We had number one, F91 Doodalang taking on number two, Progress and Eater. Corn, and it was Meter Corn winning one to two. Guy we said to look for Adele uh, Bataille. He got a goal, and the two switched table positions. So congratulations to Progress on being the new number one. 
And then what we didn't really do much of a preview for that. We actually talked about a recipe for Jude Matt's Gardabonian. For color and fava beans, delicious. Match number nine from Indonesia's League One. We had number five, Perseid Bandung, taking on number B, Bayangkara, in a very tight race all the way around. And the result was a Bayangkara win, nil one, and that moves them up to number one. Perseid Bandung remains number five. Match number 10 from Burundi's League A was number B, Atletico Olympic, taking on number one, uh, Bumamaru. And it went to a nil-nil draw, so there was no changing table positions. And then our bonus matches with explanations coming later. Our route of the week, Algeria's League One, number one, CR, Belwizdat, taking on number 18, last place, WA, Tlemcen. No surprise here, Belwizdat took it a little easy on them as far as we're concerned. They won three to nil. Guy we said to look for, uh, Mazabwe. He had the first and therefore game-winning goal. The most meaningless match in the world, Saturday's Lesotho Premier League, the 2020-2021 season that they're still trying to wrap up. Number eight, Kick for Life, took on number nine, LMPS. The result was a nil-nil draw, as is appropriate for the most meaningless match. Although, based on that and other uh, results, uh, Kick for Life actually picked up the number seven. Uh, way to go, I guess. And then finally, your match of disappointed, a Saturday match from Israel's Premier League. We had the bottom two, number 14, uh, Maccabee Petzatikva taking on number 13, Hapoel Jerusalem. And it was Petzatikva winning 3-1. to one. Guy we said to look for, for MTP, had a goal, Lamech Banda. And then a guy with one of the coolest soccer names I've seen for Hapoel Jerusalem, uh, Guy Badash. He had a, a, the first goal of the match in the losing effort. No change in the table positions for these two sad sacks. And that will conclude your recap from last week's matches. Now let's get back into talking about the upcoming week's matches with... Match number six. Back to Europe we go. Italy, specifically Serie A action, where they max out being one of the top four leagues in all of Europe, four Champions League berths, a Europa League berth, and an ECL berth as well. Your matchup, we're back to number B versus number one. You bet you Napoli taking on league leaders Inter. Uh, Internacional, they currently lead Napoli by one. Napoli in turn lead AC Milan by one. And you can watch this at high noon on Paramount Plus. That's Eastern time, the way we always do it here. Napoli, of course, playing out of Naples, which is the third largest city in the country. And yet I was surprised that it wasn't a little bit bigger. There's only about a million people in the city, although three million in the greater metro. One of the things that they are famous for, I would have known it was some Italian city. I just wouldn't have known which. They have more restaurants with more Michelin stars ratings, very good ratings, than any other uh, region of Italy or probably the world. Uh, Yeah, I'm more interested in the food than the soccer sometimes. I admit it. It's true. This is considered the number 20 ranked league in UEFA. That puts them uh, right on par with teams like Lyon out of France and RB Leipzig over in the Bundesliga. They've won the league title just twice in Italy, and they haven't done it in quite a while, 1989-1990. They won what is now the Europa League that same year. Best they've ever done in the Champions League was the round of 16. They've done that a few times. 2016 was the most recent one. They're about to play Barcelona in the knockout playoff round of the Europa League. That's a chance to make the group stage, the event proper, if you will. League play. Last year, they finished in fifth place. Uh, This year, uh, they've got a top five offense, very offensively oriented in the top part of the league, because they're averaging almost two goals per match. Number one defense, only giving up two goals every three matches on average, and that's good for the second best goal differential. On the assist leaderboard, Lorenzo Insigne, 
He is a winger and should be very familiar now to MLS fans. And if he's not, he will be shortly because he is going to be joining Toronto in July in what, when he signed it, I believe was the biggest transfer amount ever or biggest contract ever signed by somebody from abroad to come play in the league. He has spent his whole career uh, over there with Napoli. That'll, so this will be a big change for him, except for some early loan outs. Uh, he is uh, short in stature. He is fast and he loves to wail away on the ball, shoot from outside the box. So be looking for that if you're catching this on Paramount+. Plus. They've also got the best goalkeeper going in the league in David Ospina. He's from Colombia, almost did 200 matches with Nice over in League One. And he also spent several years with Arsenal. So, uh, And that's sort of one of our unofficial favorite teams over here at Team Noob. So I'll probably be rooting for Napoli. Um, he's only six feet tall, which is a little bit on the short side for a goal. And he's thought to be somewhat inconsistent. So who knows? Could be their bugaboo. Best, most important player I think they have going is Fabian, though. He is a Spanish central defensive midfielder who is also getting in, uh, in on the action on offense. Five goals, three assists on the year. He did three years with Real uh, Batiste over in Spain. Very good passer, but and a little bit surprising to me for a centrally based defensive midfielder, not a very good dribbler. I would think that they would have him more on the wing for some reason. In any case, the current form for this team, they have won three straight and four in league play and with an astounding nine and one goal differential. But coming to see if they can keep hanging on to their lead is the big grass snake of Internacional Milan. 29 league titles, and they are the defending champs. That was their first title in a decade, actually. Juventus, of course, have been owning Italy for quite a while until Ronaldo left. Three Champions League titles for them. Last one was uh, 29 and 10. Uh, they're about to play Liverpool in the Champions League round of 16. Uh, they have uh, the number one offense, scoring over two goals per match, a top three defense, giving up less than one, and your number one overall goal differential. I think they're going to be able to hold on for the title. Italy is just a three-horse race right now. Keep players to look for. Number four scorer in the league, Lautaro Martinez, Argentinian striker, 24 years old, just five foot nine, a little short for his position, but he's been here getting it done since 2018. Tied for number four in assists is a guy named uh, Nicolo uh, Barella, maybe Barea, but I think Barella. In any case, he plays midfielder, more specifically over in Italy, a position that was sort of uh, started there and maybe isn't really played much of anywhere else, not consistently called Messala, which translates to half winger. Uh, they play on the wing. They're very offensively oriented, but it's got to be usually somebody on the smaller side and quick enough to track back on defense, get interceptions. Uh, this guy, the other thing he's known for, uh, look for him to get a yellow card. Maybe you're at who's known. He is known for arguing way too much with the referees. And then tied for number two in clean sheets. Whoops. <laughs> Tied for number B in clean sheets. Oh, the shame. I said it wrong, Bruce Anub. Goalkeeper Samir Handanovic. Uh, he was born and went then was Yugoslav. He represents internationally for Serbia, 37 years old. Team's current form. Their only loss in their last 10 was to AC Milan in their uh, Derby della Ma uh, Madanina, and that was just two matches ago. Match number seven. And that wraps it up for our weekend. You have Monday off, New Bites. Tuesday, we're back to CONCACAF Champions League action. It's the round of 16, leg and one of the two-legged ties. You're going to get Cavalli out of Haiti 
playing host to New England. That'll be a fun trip for the revolution. You can watch this on TV, 6 o'clock Eastern Time, Fox Sports 2, or on TUDN if you prefer the Spanish language broadcast. We're not going to talk about the Revs. MLS is coming in just a couple, three weeks. Let's focus on the host team today. That'll be fun. Cavalli out of Haiti. They're known as Cheval Rouge. Uh, their league that they play in, Liga, Liga Haitienne, is maybe the 10th best league in all of CONCACAF. I still think that the uh, Dominican Republics is probably the best one in the Caribbean region, and this one is the second best. This team plays out of the city of Leogane, which is in the southern interior coast of the country, about uh, 20 miles west of the capital, Port-au-Prince. And unfortunately, if you're familiar with this city name for anything else other than the soccer, and maybe the only thing, it is because it was the absolute epicenter of the terrible 2010 earthquake that ravaged the country. But they are back to their economic and agricultural ways now to a large degree. Uh, Sugarcane bananas, a lot of what they do. But what they're most famous for, perhaps internationally, is something called Rara, R-A-R-A. It is a uh, it is a type of rural festival. It has its own music, its own food, its own dance theater. Just it, it's a way of life while the festival is going on. And there's nothing like it anywhere in the world. Not just in uh, based on the magnitude of it, but the fact that it's not oriented to the cities and just the style is out of this world. Absolutely, Google it up. See some videos. Check out some of the music. Now, as far as the footy, 2009 was the only other time that they made it to the uh, Champions League for CONCACAF, and they lost in the second round that year. They qualified for the event this year by winning the 2021 uh, Caribbean Championship for the professional teams. They've got a separate one for the amateur teams. Uh, they went 5-0-0 in that event and went with a 17-1 goal differential. Had no trouble in the final either. They beat uh, Suriname's Inter Go Tapo. Not sure I'm getting my emphases on the right syllables there, but they beat them nil three and they're in the Champions League. That's what's important. As far as league play, last year they made the second stage um, of two stages and then playoffs, I believe the way is they do it over in Haiti. Uh, they had the number B uh, offense and defense, but they were only in sixth place when it looks like the season got uh, canceled partway through, almost certainly, of course, due to COVID. Match number eight. Match number eight. Not even going to tell you day of the week because we're not doing a match for number eight. It's the UEFA Champions League. We just want to not look like fools here at Team Noob and mention that, yes, of course, we know that it's going on. But it's late enough in the podcast that this is the time where we're going to use soccer as our excuse to learn something cultural from somewhere in the world. And as usual, that is food. Is it good food or good food? Either way, we're going to pick up a new recipe. And rather than usually I pick something from the home country or home uh, city for the team that is playing host to a particular match. Since I haven't picked a particular match, we're going to look at the city of uh, Nyon, where UEFA is headquartered over in Switzerland. It is in the Vaud Canton in the greater Geneva metro area. And uh, the interesting thing that I found there is something called Cardon uh, Genevois, which is the only vegetable that gets an AOP designation. That means if this somewhat rare vegetable is grown anywhere else, they can't call it that. Uh, it is very thorny, takes a lot of work to get ready, and it is a six-foot-tall stalk. But other than that, it's kind of artichoke-like. And uh, interestingly, they have to cut these. They don't want to get them to six feet tall if they can help it, because the more light they get, the more green they get. And then they uh, are either harder prepared or don't taste as good. I'm not sure which, but they really like to keep them white and young. And in fact, they even bleach them to take out some of the bitterness. 
Uh, if you're getting these fresh and are preparing them, you have to remove all the thorny and fibrous parts, and then you parboil them for about 25 minutes. Um, as soon as they're trimmed, you need to get them into water with lemon juice or they're going to turn black. And that's even worse than green, I'm quite sure. Uh, the very popular and famous dish from this area that it gets made is called gratine de cardons, which is baked cardons or cardoons as they're known in other parts of the world. It's the same thing. Uh, you top them after the parboiled with a bechamel sauce and grated Gruyere cheese. Now, interestingly, this is a traditional side dish during the Christmas season, specifically in Geneva. But otherwise, other than Christmas, cardons in general, not just this dish, are actually not a typical vegetable served at Swiss mealtimes. So they grow a lot of it. They're famous for it, but they're only eating it once a year. Maybe they export a lot of it. I don't know, but they had me sold a Gruyere cheese. Match number nine. Another Tuesday match, and we head to the Middle East for a country I'm not sure that we've visited before, at least not since our website days a couple, three years back, the Pro League of Oman. It is rated just number 32 out of the 47 in the AFC. Nevertheless, once again, we go where the drama is. They're about halfway through the season. The champions for this one do not get to go to the Champions League. It works a little bit different in Asia, but the winner will get to go to the AFC Cup, that secondary tournament, and they will get to start in the group stage. Your matchup, number one, Dofar versus number B, Al-Sib. Dofar currently lead by one. Al-Sib, they lead number three, Al-Nasser, by three points. So this is not a done deal yet, even for either of these two teams. Dofar, they are known as Al-Zaim, which I believe translates to the leaders. There might be something a little lost in the translation. There might also just be the boss. They play out of the capital city of Salala, which is in the southwest part of the country, about 350,000. Last year, they finished in second place in an abbreviated season. They only got about 10 matches in. Uh, the season before that, they finished in second place as well. They have won 11 league titles, and you just have to go back to before COVID to find the last one. 2018-19, they hoisted the trophy. So they've been to the uh, – they've actually been, I believe, to the Champions League before when this league must have been rated just a little bit higher, but uh, they've never gotten out of the group stage. This year, league play, they've got the number one offense going. They're the only team that has scored over 20 goals in their 12 matches. They've also got a top two defense. They've only allowed seven, and they've got the number one overall goal differential. I think they're going to be able to hang on. Their current form, they actually just lost, though, to that number three team, Al Nasser, and it was at home they lost 2-0. So I think they're going to be really hungry for a win today because that broke a seven-match win streak. And now Al-Sib, uh, that is also the name of the city out of which they play. It is on the north central coast of the country, maybe a half million people there. It's just a few miles from uh, the capital of Muscat. I think I said Salala was the capital before, but that might have been a regional one. In any case, the thing that this city is most famous for, Al-Sib, might be the fact that they're uh, home to a big British internet monitoring site. So you've got some spyish kind of stuff going on over there internationally for the Brits. This team, they are the defending league champions, uh, that coming from the 2019-20 season, and it is the only league title they have ever won. So they will play, be playing in this year's AFC Cup. The winner of this one, uh, what's at stake, is the 2023 berth. They've got top two offense, top two defense, and uh, they're right up there for goal differential as well. Team's current form, uh, they are 1-2-0 and oh in their last three, and uh, the scoring has dipped a little bit. Their last two matches have been nil-nil draws. And match number 10, we're done. Finally!
Your countdown duties are done. Excellent job as always, but we still got the match preview to go. And then of course our three super fun bonus matches. Match number 10 is a Wednesday match. We're back to the women's side of the ball. We're bookending it with the gals for our uh, main 10 matches. Specifically, we're going to talk about the CONCACAF women's championship. They're in their qualifying tournament right now. And this is uh, basically the equivalent of the men's gold cup. In fact, they're going to change the name to the gold cup in uh, for the 2024 edition. Why they didn't just do it this year. I'm not sure since they know they want to do it, you know, in any case, uh, the top six finishers in this event will join the USA and Canada, who are the top two women's teams in the region in the event proper. So for this qualification tourney, they've broken broken the teams up into six groups of five. Only the winners will advance, and they're only going to play a single round robin. So each team will get to host somewhat randomly uh, two home games. They'll get to host twice and have to go on the road twice. The matchup we're going to look at, since the U.S. women's national team is not involved, they get a bye into the event proper, we will get the other American women national team. Yeah, Puerto Rico. Uh, they are considered to be second best in this qualifying tournament and they will, or in their group anyway, and they will be taking on uh, the team that should probably finish third in their uh, Suriname. Yeah, we get our second Suriname reference of the podcast. We'll start out by talking about Puerto Rico. They are known as the Boracuas, which I understand to be basically just another name for people of Puerto Rico. Uh, they are considered the number 12 ranked team in all of CONCACAF, just outside the top 100 worldwide by FIFA. Uh, 1998 was the only other time they played in this event, and they got through qualification and uh, finished in the group stage. They haven't played any uh, official matches this year. The three friendlies that I saw they played last year, or six rather, they went three, two, and one in those. They were pretty even with the Dominican Republic. They got mashed by the Gals team from uh, Uruguay in a couple of matches, and they thumped Guyana two different times. They've only ever played the U.S. women's national team once, to my surprise. You would think with the geographic ease and advantage there that they would get together more often. And as you might imagine, it was the USWNT that won the one time they did get together. Uh, Key player to look for, I'm just going to talk about their captain. Couldn't find a lot of specific stats. Her name is Laura Suarez. She is a midfielder with 17 national team caps and plays for El Salvador's Alianza. And that might be one of the best teams anybody on the team plays for, except perhaps for co-captain Karina Socaras. She is a forward as well, plays for Maritimo over in Portugal. I'm not under the impression that that's one of the top five or six leagues over in Europe, but nevertheless, the Western European ones tend to be fairly strong at the very least. She has 23 national team caps and has scored 20 goals, and that is the most on both counts for this team. Otherwise, what you're dealing with, and this is why they would have trouble if they get very far in major tournaments, it's mostly um, college players that are over in the States that have Puerto Rican heritage and get brought back to play for this team for fun. Now, Suriname, they are rated number 17 by CONCACAF, number 129 by FIFA, although they've been as high as number 81. That was back in 2003 for the worldwide rankings. This year, they've played twice, friendlies, both against Barbados, and they went 0-1-1. Not too promising. Not familiar with Barbados being a women's powerhouse by any means, as far as the footy. This is their debut in any international tournament, as far as I can find. Not just the big ones, even smaller sub-regional, Pan-American, you know, Caribbean region tournaments, nothing. Couldn't find them anywhere. 
Couldn't find anything really about the players too much, but their manager is a very interesting case. Guy's name is Ray Frankel, and he's actually still an active men's player. He's 40 years old, done a lot of time over in Europe. He came up with Feyenoord uh, in the Netherlands. Biggest club he probably played for as a senior was Royal Antwerp over in Belgium. We mentioned them once already. But now that he's turned 40, he has rewarded himself by signing a contract with probably the best men's league team in the tiny country of surname, which is SV. Transvaal, and he is a defender for them. I don't know how long he's been managing for this team. It almost feels like he's doing somebody a favor or something. I think Puerto Rico are going to be your heavy favorites, even though I'm not crazy about their chances to get out of the group as the winners either. Bring forth the bonus matches! Thank you very much for voting on the candidate matches and helping us decide what this content is going to be. Makes it my favorite part of the show. You can find me on Twitter, by the way, at Soccer Noob USA. Appreciate engaging with you there and your voting in the polls. The first match we're going to do is a first versus last place matchup that we dramatically call the route, 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 route of, 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 of the week, week, week. And I swear, you guys are an absolute hoot. You either vote for the most interesting names or the hardest to pronounce names. And oftentimes those are one of the same. And so I get stuck trying to learn Polish and some of this other stuff that is very hard for my Western tongue. The most meaningless match of the world takes us to Poland to the Extra Klasa. It's a Saturday match. The top team will go to the Champions League. Two more to the Europa Conference League. Three of the 18 teams are going to get relegated. And all of that is relevant for these two because we have number one, uh, Lech Poznan, taking on number 18, Bruk Bet Termalica Nietzsche. N-I-E-C-I-E-C-Z-A. Sometimes you guys just stink. Thanks a lot. Couldn't we go with, you know, the Premier League team or one of the other Western European ones? No, it's fun to learn. In any case, uh, Poznan currently, uh, they uh, lead the second place team by two points, which I won't even bother trying to pronounce. And then uh, Nietzsche, they trail, (laughs) the pronunciation is just throwing me, the number 15 team that represents safety, the outside of the relegation zone teams, by just four points. So all hope is not lost for them. When they played earlier this season, like Poznan won on the road one to three. Uh, the recent series between them, uh, Poznan, as you would imagine, have had the best of it, six, one in one. And we'll get into just why here in a little bit. We'll talk about the host team, uh, like Poznan first. They are known as the Railway Men. Poznan is the city they play out of. It is the fifth largest in Poland. It uh, has about a half million people in the city proper, just over a million or so in the overall metro there in the west central part of the country. Uh, one of the fun things I found out that they're most famous for, perhaps, they have something like close to three dozen uh, theatrical companies that are all alternative theater. So probably Dada and just uh, outdoor stuff and all kinds of strange goings on. But as a guy who used to uh, study and do some acting, that was interesting to me. This is a club that's ranked just inside the top 200 within uh, UEFA. They've kind of slipped in recent years, the whole league, because that puts them right above uh, Kana's Quay Nomads out of Wales. And that is not a particularly strong league. I'm not sure it's even fully professional like the uh, Polish one is. In any case, uh, this is quite a step up for Lech Poznan. Last year, they finished in just 11th place. That said, they do have seven league titles to their credit. Most recent one in 2014-15. They mostly go to the Europa League. They've had some Champions League berths sprinkled in there. The best they've ever done internationally 
Round of 16 in the Europa League. That was back uh, a decade ago, 2010-11. This year, league played number one offense, averaging exactly two goals per match. A top two defense where they average less than one goal conceded per game and the number one overall goal differential. Take that, Brook Bet. You're in trouble. And these are the guys that are going to be dishing that trouble out. Tied for number one in league scoring is uh, Michael or Mikhail Ishak. He is a Swedish striker who uh, spent his last three seasons before coming over here uh, with one of the, I think, better Division II teams in Germany, uh, Nuremberg. He's played for a lot of Division II teams from the very best countries in Western Europe. And then when he's places like this in Poland, he plays for uh, the pretty good Division I teams, very much his uh, niche or milieu, if you will. Uh, top 10 in assists for the league is Joel Amaral from Portugal, attacking midfielder. He spent 2018 with Benfica, but didn't make any senior team maps at the very least. Their current form, slipping, but just the tiniest little bit. 1-1-1 one, one, and one in their last three. 6-6 six and six goal differential. Is that enough of an opening for Nichecha to take advantage of? I hope so, because they are known as the Elephants and the Crazy Villagers. I don't know which nickname I like. Yes, I do. I like the second one more, but I love Elephants as well. Not native to Poland. So why they picked that, I have no idea. Didn't find it. Last year, they finished in second place in the second division in Poland. That was good enough to get them promoted. They also made it to division one here in 2015, and they spent three glorious years, the Halcyon days, if you will, here in the extra class. Best they ever did was a number 18 finish. That was in 2016-17. Now, why am I so hyped for this team? If you haven't heard of them, or the town. There's a pretty good reason. The village has fewer than 750 people. Uh, it's not exactly next to a major metro area either, even on the outskirts. It's two miles from its, I can't even use the word city, a town called Zabno that's got 5,000 people. It is the smallest team uh, to have ever made Division One in any European league, and it's the second time they've done it. Congratulations to them. Uh, this year, things are not looking so good. The, the stats aren't horrible, but they've got a lot of teams to climb over. They're uh, tied for number 13 on offense. The defense is the real problem. They're uh, tied for second to worst in that. On the scoring leaderboard, uh, Piotr Lazo. It's got a silent W on the front if you end up looking up a box score. It's a 32-year-old uh, midfielder who has been a Polish league's lifer. All I could really find for players that they could really hang their hat on there. Team's current form, they had been winless in their last seven and lost five straight matches, but they just beat Jagalonia Bialystok, the number 11 team, 2-1 to one at home. So maybe everything is ready to come up. Nechecha. Could you be... The most meaningless match in the world. Yes, you could. You're so boring. <laughs> Two teams that nobody else is talking about. And the one you've selected is a Friday match from Slovakia. And by the way, I'm, I'm so glad for the engagement. It turns out that every single team that was up for a match, there were six candidate matches, all got at least one vote. But the one that won out, a Friday match. Slovakia Super League is where we're going, where they're almost done with the double round robin stage of their season. And then the 12 teams will divide into championship and relegation rounds of six each where they'll play a little while longer. These two teams don't have to worry about international berths or getting relegated, no matter which 
division or round they end up in for the last uh, 30% of the season. We're talking about number eight, Zemplin Mikhailovsa, taking on number seven, SKF Sered. Much easier to pronounce that one. Uh, let's see here. Right now, these two are tied on the table. Zemplin are only ahead because they lead by five on goal differential. As far as the series between these two, relatively uh, recent, even in recent seasons, Zemplin have a slight edge, 4-4-3, four, four, and three, and they won on the road earlier this season, nil one So let's talk about Zemplin first. Uh, that is the name of the region in Slovakia that they are in. And uh, the name of the city is Mikhailovsa. It's about 40,000 in the far east part of the country, very nearly at the Ukrainian border. Not sure that's the happiest place to be right now, to be perfectly honest at all. Uh, they're about 225 miles east of Bratislava, if you're familiar with the country geographically. A big tourist area, and it's largely because the city sits right on the very beautiful Lake Sarava, and then it's also surrounded in part by uh, volcanic mountains. And this team has a relationship with AC Milan. I always kind of like looking for those. So if you're an AC Milan fan, now you've got another team you can uh, root for. They won the top flight Slovak total in the late 60s. But I think back then, uh, because it was still a Czechoslovakia, of course, that that must have been a regional league. Last year, they finished in 10th place in the league. This year... Uh, the problem is a little bit more on offense. They're only scoring one goal per match. The defense isn't a lot better. Very middling at best. Uh, best player they've got going, top 10 in league scoring, uh, Matea. I'm going to pronounce that M-A-T-E-J, Trusa. Uh, Matej, actually. I did have in my notes. Forward, just 21 years old, but he actually won't be able to help them out anymore. Sad face. I'm doing a visual since his audio of a tear running down my cheek because he just got moved on to the slightly better league and much better team of Victoria Pilsen, one of the better, uh, probably the top three or four in the Czech Republic. This team's current form, they are 1-0-2 in their last three with just a 1-5 goal differential. And now Sered, uh, it's the... Let's see, they've got well over 30,000 people in the city, so not a huge metropolis by any stretch of the imagination. They're in the agricultural region of the country. Uh, they make a lot of sugar as well, but they get it from sugar beets, which explains uh, why I had it confused with sugar beets and sugar cane from earlier in the show. Uh, this place is also famous, perhaps unfortunately, because it was one of the three Slovak internment camps uh, that was really uh, just a nasty bit of history, but if Sir Ed rang a bell, that's why. They won promotion, and I'm not sure, but it might have been for the first time, up here to Division One back in 2017, and they'd won Division Two then. Last year in this league, they finished in seventh place. This year, number seven offense, defense, goal differential overall is number six, so I think they're going to be the team of these two that probably gets into the championship division or round, not that they will make any noise really once they get there. Team leading score, Roman Hassa. He is a Czech striker with four goals and two assists on the year. Their current form, 1-1-1 one, one, and one in their last three with a 5-3 to three against goal differential. And now, New Bites, we have truly reached the end of our podcast road. It is time to take a look at two sad sack bottom feeding teams. This is the match of Disappointed! And the Herculean scoring from Kevin Sorbo. So appropriate. So is the day of the week. This is a Monday match from Slovenia. We stayed there in Europe for a PRVA, or uh, translated to a first Liga match. 
this is a league that's low enough. They just get one Champions League berth and two Europa Conference League berths. Not that that's going to matter uh, to these putrid outfits. One team is going to get relegated. One team is going to have a chance to stay up if they can win a relegation playoff at the end of the year against the second division team. Your matchup is number 19, uh, Illumini, versus number 10, uh, Radomo which interestingly is spelled R-A-D-O-M-L-J-E. Now, it's a matchup disappointing. I'm not going to pick. I don't want to be culturally insensitive and pick on them for that. But our Twitter and podcast friends from uh, the Bryant and Me show that Team Nude very much enjoys asked, what is up with the Jays when they uh, presumably voted for these two? Uh, the answer is that when it's earlier in the words in this language, I'm pretty sure they make a Y sound at the end. I think based on what I was able to find out about the pronunciation of Radomo is that the J or the J in a vowel that follows it are silent. So maybe not in the most exciting answer you were looking for. Uh, maybe they were put there by American spies there. That would be more interesting. In any case, uh, these two and the number eight team are actually all tied on points. So musical chairs for three teams to see which two want to stink the most. Uh, the number eight team has a bit of an advantage on goal differential. They're at minus two on the season. Illumineer at minus nine and Radomo at minus 10. The series between these two, uh, Illumini have had the Slight advantage recently with a 3-2-1 and one record, but this season everything's coming up. Radomo, it, uh, they won on the road nil 2 and then they got a draw at home 2-2, but still not a loss. And here they go again, and here we go again. Illumini, known as the Foresters, play out of the city of or town of uh, Kidrachevo. This seems to be, as we go on the podcast, we're hitting smaller and smaller uh, areas. It's in the northeast part of the country. It is a town or perhaps a large village of just 1,500. And... Oh, hooray, what a happy podcast. Hey, it's a match of disappointment. We get another concentration camp reference. Gotta, gotta uh, love Eastern Europe. The Sterntal concentration camp was here, but this one was the other way around. This after the war was where a lot of ethnic Germans were sent. Uh, the slightly less unhappy thing that this town is known for is uh, perhaps the only major employer is the giant aluminum smelting plant after which the company is named. And I believe that the first version of it was actually uh, built in part by the Germans in the concentration camps. And in any case, it looks like this team came back up uh, to Division One after finishing in second place uh, in the second division back in the 2015-16 season. Last year, they finished number seven in this league. Uh, this year, uh, the offense is only a little below average. Uh, they've got a Top seven offense, but the defense, they're second to last in that regard. And so it is with their goal differential. If any hope they have of climbing out, it will perhaps be at the feet of team leading scorer Armin uh, Dierlek. There's one of those Jays hiding in there again. Uh, he's a Serbian midfielder, just 21 years old, probably aching to get away from these fools. Four goals, no assists on the year. A little weird for a midfielder, but apparently an attacking one. This team's current form, they are 1-1-1 one, one, and one in their last three with a 5-5 five and five goal differential. Excuse me. And then Red Dolmo, they are known as the Millers, uh, in uh, equally intimidating name as the Foresters. Get better mascots, play better footy. Uh, the town just has 2,000 people. It's in the north-central part of the country. The only real thing of note that I could find there was the local church of St. Margaret, I believe that the first version of it was built all the way back in the late 14, uh, 14th century. They did just get promoted up, winning Division II 
uh, last year, but at 2014-15, they also got promoted to Division One, and that was the first time in their whole history. And uh, that year and in 2016-17, when they also got to play up, uh, they finished in 10th place. They just keep getting immediately relegated. Uh, the offense could keep them up. They're number six in that regard but they've got the worst defense and goal differential in the league. So this could be a real shootout. Neither of these teams, I don't think, plays a goalie, in fact. I mean, why bother? Uh, the team-leading scorer, uh, look for him to get at least one or two. Uh, Gedeon Guzina, he's from Bosnia Herzegovina, plays attacker. Teams scoring form, they are 1-0-3 oh, in their last four with a 5-6 and six goal differential. And while we'd like to be happy folk and wish teams good luck, we will not do so with these teams from the match. Oh, disappointed and send. We will send them on their way with a foot to their behinds and in our usual fashion. It was bad. It was awful. I was terrible. Hey, boo. boo. We don't have a theme song or any theme music for this bit. But as I mentioned in the intro, uh, the plan was to have Dan, the websites, the, our former websites, Former, it's so hard to describe. Let's just call him Dan the Interno Inferno. He wasn't available as it, as we had hoped to co-host the entire show. Being on fire causes problems. We can't always have you in an enclosed space like this very, very uh, professional, uh, as we call it, uh, the unsponsored person noob studio. Dan the Interno Inferno, say hello. Hello. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming to visit. Normally, uh, we don't live in the same place. And so uh, uh, the Inferno, as I will most likely be referring throughout this, as we break the fourth wall, even regarding, even outside of that, is probably how I'll continue to uh, address him just to see how much I can get him to laugh over it. <laughs> so, uh, Dan, you've been a part of the you've been a part of the podcast, uh, you know, since its inception and uh, even going back farther than that. Uh, what is it that you were uh it's been so long and I'm old and decrepit. crap. What were you doing for us back in the website days when you were quote unquote interning <laughs> and being on fire? I would make uh, creative inputs um, for the website as well as employ some of my Photoshop skills for some amusing memes uh, or images related to soccer. Um I recall one uh, very fun one that had to do with a club, B-U-A-P, that we would associate with a character from The Simpsons. Uh, yes, uh, B-U-A-P. I think they are no longer in Liga MX and have been reformed or moved into one of the other divisions. So they're still out there. They're just a little bit smaller, B-U-A-P. We would associate it with, you know, the very fun biological function of burping by making it whap. Yeah, because that was pretty close uh, whenever you would see that character from The Simpsons in a meme. It was already <laughs> B-U-A-P or it was B-W-A-P and you just changed, I think, the W to a U or something I changed like that. the 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 R and burp to a. Oh, okay. I had the letters. I had the letters <laughs> mixed. I had the letters mixed up. One of my favorite ones uh, that I had asked you to do and you came up with pretty quickly was uh, we were talking about uh, young boys at Bern, one of the uh, better teams in in uh, Switzerland. Although Zurich's running things there this year, but anyway. Um, <clears throat> Uh, it was during a presidential election time. And so uh, we used a meme on the website with uh, Bernie Sanders and uh, you, you managed to get a election time hat on him. What did that say? Uh, 
I'm not recalling right off. Oh my that. good feel the burn. Yeah. <laughs> it was so awesome. Or no, we didn't, did we put him in a feel the burn hat or we put him in uh like in a kit and he had his own feel the burn hat on. Cause that was his real thing. Well, regardless, it involved the Swiss team. It involved Bernie Sanders. It was good, but yeah, Still number one, my all-time favorite. And I don't even remember what the context was, except that you put, oh, I remember part of the context. We'll get into what this means uh, for newer listeners. Don't worry. This will all make as much sense as it's going to shortly. My favorite one was you took the cover of a Weird Al Yankovic album right. that was called Mandatory Fun. And it had the marching soldiers mm-hmm. and uh, uh, Hitler, one of the other leaders, kind of superimposed large over the sky, you know, as if he was commanding <clears throat> them. And you adjusted that in a fun way. We put the face of um, our our character, excuse me, Noobstradamus over Weird Al Yankovic's face. Oh, yes. It was high high comedy. And I I changed the the subtitle from Mandatory Fun to uh, Soccer Noob something like... I didn't remember that part. I just thought we left it mandatory fun to try to convince people who were looking at the site that having fun was mandatory because maybe they were or were not if they were discovering it for the first time. Match many previews from all over the world are not for everyone. We're glad they're for you and thank you for being here. (laughs) We appreciate that. So those were some of the highlights of the actual work that uh, Dan uh, did for the website. And then he just mentioned Noobstradamus, his primary role, other than serving as a sounding board for some of the other uh, segments and general content that we do, is, <clears throat> if you're a longer-time listener, I'm sure that you are catching his distinct voice. Uh, why don't you give the folks what they're looking for, Noobstradamus? There's only one <laughs> thing they want to hear. I travel through space and time. We I feel like I'm traveling through space and time right now. <laughs> and I feel a little bit like I'm high. <laughs> of course, the conceit is that you're always smoking lotus leaves as the 3,500-year-old Noobstradamus. And by the way, the face that we have totally ripped off for that, we'll have to stop using if we ever start getting sponsors or making any kind of money, is the... Uh, the blue face and white haired uh, uh, feature of uh, Vitruvius <laughs> from the, the Lego, Lego movies. <laughs> so we, we have a lot of fun with that. And uh, I, I come up with, uh, I come up with the content uh, for that and we try to uh, keep it. Uh, Dan will usually have a crazy vision, usually based on something cultural or historically related. If very, very bizarre, the way I write it, that is related to the home country or the home city of where the match is actually being played. So while we try to do it as if it's the most bizarre thing in the world, it actually does have something behind it. We like to use soccer as an excuse to learn about the rest of the world. And we've, and we've learned quite a bit. Is there anything that jumps out at you that, that you have learned since starting to help with the podcast? Cause like me as a noob, you didn't start out as a soccer guy. You're only really becoming a soccer guy. <clears throat> What's the weirdest or most interesting thing that you can recall that you've learned? Hmm. If everything, I know I basically dragged you in here five minutes after you woke up. (laughs) (laughs) I certainly agree that it's been a valuable lens to the world on a number of cultural levels. Um, There have been pieces of history that I wasn't aware of. Um, I think 
some of the most interesting aspects of this geography are the, the really small clubs from really small countries that you'd kind of be amazed even have enough people to populate a paid or semi-paid club at this level. And we like, we like in particular to root for these teams because they're often the underdogs. And We've got several <clears throat> in this particular show, in fact. So this is going to be a fun one. It's too bad that we're not doing a Noobstradamus vision this week <laughs> since you're visiting a person and we simply decided to have a real uh, person-to-person interview. I think the best Noobstradamus segment that we ever had, and in large part, you know, because of your delivery was one that we did that wasn't so culturally important as it was. Um, (laughs) (laughs) We, we used the, we used the commercial, we used, we referenced and used even the actual commercial or one of the audio from one of the commercials for uh, the Colombian coffee guy (laughs) from back in what the late seventies, early eighties, who would have his uh, donkey. I can't remember his name. And it was just some actor who'd walk through the, uh, I don't know what you even call them, bean fields or whatever, speaking the perfect beans just for your <laughs> coffee and then show the brewing coffee. But uh, what was it? Tell, do you remember enough about that segment to talk about it? That one's been a little while. Hmm. In your vision in which you were very, very high, you were partaking <laughs> in a very uh, dangerous outdoor activity. Yes. You had to make it sound like you were. Oh man, <laughs> you, were, you were hang gliding. Yes, with the donkey. It was very strange. <laughs> yeah, which is why we don't can't we can't do a we don't do a like a YouTube version of this. But but your delivery of just being terrified and up there with the donkey, and then of course the production from uh, uh, the management, as he is always known, with the de- you're Dan the Internal Inferno, but he always gets the definite article too. He is the management, the, the management, <laughs> the management in his production wizardry <clears throat> was super was super fun with that. So. I've written it up to be uh, pretty bizarre every single time. And yet your delivery, including the space and time bit, have just become uh, easily the best part of this show. What's the secret to your, both for that and in general, how do you approach the Noobstradamus delivery? How do I approach Noobstradamus? It's the same way I would tell any performer um, in a position of reading a script or trying to develop a character just relax and find ways to take advantage of your inner talent inner what god gave you like for example um you soccer noob commented earlier upon my distinct voice well you may have heard through my delivery of that line a few minutes ago that I try to make use of my range of my voice down into the bass and take a deep breath and exaggerate so that the character is more fun through, and even if it doesn't make sense. And it sounds like you're uh, relaxedly exhaling uh, lotus leaf smoke that has been in your lungs at the same time. <laughs> I'm only guessing that that's how <sighs> lotus leaves, you know, 
get used. But yes, you, you have the baritone voice, and which, of course, I am desperately jealous of. I sound like I'm 10 <laughs> years old most of the time, but that's why I like having your voice on because it's such a great contrast. And yet, you know, starting up high and just, you know, you know creating some, we always talk about, you know, conflict, drama, movement, and everything, even if we're talking about soccer and you've got a, a, a range of stuff there. And then, of course, ending at the uh, the lower part of your range and then with the uh, sound effects and music that the management puts in, just, you know, absolutely flows right into that. So if there's any direction, I want to ask that we could take Noobstradamus in the future, because while, you know, there's a million places in the world that we can do, we like to learn about country and city history and art and music and Colombian coffee commercials and hang gliding donkeys, <laughs> and all the things we do. Is there a direction? Is there something you would like to see Noobstradamus uh, do or be doing? Hmm. You know, it occurs to me, we haven't done a whole lot of investigation into Noobstradamus's individual relationships with with people, maybe he has friendships with other prognosticators. Ooh, you know, Person Noob has been wanting to do a prognostication character. She thinks that she can do what you do. She's a nine-year-old girl, so I don't think she has the range. <laughs> I think the delivery would be different. But as we know from playing some board games earlier this week, <laughs> she's creative and then some. There you go. Yeah, what was the game we were playing? And she kept talking about wanting to make... Uh, uh, we were playing an apples to apples knockoff and, and she kept telling the story. It was the story. Oh, snake oil, snake oil. Where you try to pitch a product based on two semi random cards and, and everything for her always ends up being magic that she makes when she's talking <laughs> about magic or she turns it into a murder gun. It's just amazing imagination. I'm raising a psycho. <laughs> <laughs> such violence, such violence in this child but that's okay. I love my person new, but just the same. She's still, and no matter how old she gets, by the way, she will always be person new because she's comparatively newer to being alive right. than I am. Just as you will always be in a way, Dan, the internal inferno, even though you've never actually been an intern. And to my knowledge <laughs> have never, you've never been struck by lightning or anything or had, you know, been involved with pyrotechnics. You've never been a flame. Have you? No. Okay, that's good to hear. Phew. Nevertheless, still, Dan the Interno Inferno. So figuratively on fire. As this interview has been on fire, I feel like I've I feel like I've learned. I hope our listeners have learned. And uh, you know, the con the conceit of having a thirty-five year old thirty-five hundred year old man as Noobstradamus isn't terribly <laughs> realistic. So I feel like I feel like blowing the cover off of that hasn't been exactly like Geraldo going into Egypt's tomb and that everybody is still going to enjoy Noobstradamus, perhaps even more now that they've gotten to know you in relationship to the show a little bit more. And I'll bear that, I'll bear that in mind. I'll try to write some things that have to do with uh, not just the visions from the areas, but maybe we can have some uh, other Noobstradamus bits or uh, work some things into your segments Uh you know, where it's not just about predicting the soccer score, the crazy vision, but you actually interacting with the world, wandering the world uh, like Samuel L. Jackson wanted to do at the end of uh, uh, Pulp Fiction, you know, walk the earth. Sounds like a good plan. Sounds like a lot of exercise walking the earth. Well, true. Like in Kung Fu. Do you know Kung Fu? Maybe Noobster Thomas knows Kung Fu. I think you're Kung Fu noob. 
Well, he probably knows all martial arts or at least pieces of them, but he's 3,500 years old. I can't think he's got the dexterity and flexibility <laughs> to do them anymore. At one time, he knew. Well, thanks for having me. This was a great interview. I appreciate your coming on. Yeah, I was enjoying the fact that I'm just like, we almost reached an end point. Then I'm like, no, that doesn't work for the show. We need to just make it trail <laughs> off. I know how to do that. I'll take it this other direction. Uh, but uh, Dan, who's also done an interactive fiction podcast of his own, it is a uh, uh, widely hailed uh, a theatrical performer uh, back home in his own right. He knows a thing or two about how to probably end interviews properly. So I'll let you end it properly, even as I just keep talking and making it harder for you. And that's a wrap on Soccer New Brock in America, episode 70. Thank you so much for joining us. If you've enjoyed the show, we hope you'll pass our name along to your footy-minded friends. We really endeavor to do something unique here, both in the matches we're covering and, as I'm sure you've noticed, if you made it this far, exactly how we do it. Also, thank you very much to the management for all of his editing and production wizardry. To Dan, the Interno Inferno, as always, for his uh, creative, inspiring efforts and so much more. And, of course, to pursue, I love doing the show with you. Thank you so much for helping, as always. Until we can do it again in a few days, have a fabulous footy week. Take care.